You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good to see you guys. How you doing? Dying old bike. Yeah, good. All right. All right. So, um, I just want to say a few things about Rick that I really appreciate. Uh, you know, it was back in 2004 I came back from being a missionary in China and really a lot of really burnout. And uh, I remember meeting with you for I don't know how many months, but the Lord really met me in Rick's office, the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and helped me. So I, I just seen that over the years. I've known other pastors and leaders in the city that Rick has met with and so um, and, and helped their heart get connected to the Lord. And so I've seen that. I feel like that's one of the strengths. And I just want to honor you today, just the strengths of empowering others. I feel like you're looking around like, who can I empower to grow in the Lord? Who can I empower to find out who they really are and see, just see them take off? And that joy is yours. Mm-hmm. And that takes a certain humility and a certain way of just uh, a true pastor or shepherd of people's hearts. And that's really Rick. And so I know he's been faithful here, but there's also an impact in the city he's had. And it's both. And so I just want to recognize that and thank you even on behalf of others and myself. And um, so then also just I want to keep Rick up here for like five minutes. This morning when I was... When I was just praying for you guys, and this is recorded, so we're just going to touch on it. And, but I also got Isaiah 43, and I saw the verse in your lobby, verse 1, and also verses 18 and 19. I'm just going to read it here. And in 43, verse 1, it just I'm reading in the middle. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. And I feel like this is speaking to you as well as the whole church here, but individuals. I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. You're mine. And then verse 18, do not remember the former things. Do not consider uh, the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I didn't think I was going to be stirred by this. Doing a new thing. Uh, Now it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In my sense, when I was reading this earlier, it was just the Lord, for those that are uh, weary and tired and even just the activity in Hancock County, in the Church of Hancock County, Church of Indianapolis. The Lord is doing things where He is he's wanting to bring us closer and give us uh, this water where we can't find it. We can't find it on our own. We don't know how to get it. I'm talking about spiritual water. We don't know how to get it. We don't know how to get refreshed or strengthened. We don't know how to go forward. We don't know. We're at the end of ourselves, but God knows, and as we draw near to Him, He's going to release waters. And I believe He's going to release the spiritual waters over this place. Amen. And also... Um, Luke 12, let's see, where am I? Luke 12, 31 through 34, and then we'll do the other part of what we're doing today, where the Lord says, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I know that's familiar. And do not fear a little flock. Do not fear, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I just, I feel like the Lord, I think today, I, I may even, I have notes here. I don't even know. I think, I'm just hearing other things during worship. So there may be just something else we'll talk about, about how to, it's the Father's pleasure. What's the kingdom? What is the kingdom? And to give us the kingdom. And how do we partner with that? Just very simply. Because it's His pleasure. He's, we don't have to try to earn it. We don't have to convince God we don't, have to, we don't have to do that, but we do need to learn how to position our hearts to receive freely from His grace. He can't do our part. He can't do it, and we can't do His part. It's a partnership. And maybe we'll just talk about that a little bit today. And, and, uh, but I just feel like the Lord just wants to say, it's my good pleasure. You don't have to convince. You don't have to try to be a good Christian. You don't have to try to be a better person before me. I accept you. You're my beloved. I love you. I want you to learn how to walk and grow in the kingdom. It's my good pleasure to give it to you. You don't have to ask that question. Uh, you know, does God want to give me this? Or does God want to help me grow? And what's going on? You don't have to ask that. He says it's my good pleasure to give it to you today. Amen. And I just want to stand up here, have Rick stand up with me because I know that's his heart. And just speak it, you know, with you guys. So I'm just going to ask, Lord, would you do that? Show us how to walk in your good pleasure. And Lord, help us receive of your kingdom. And even today, Lord, help us take a step forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thanks, buddy. So, so we're going to use the first two slides of our PowerPoint, and then I'm actually just going to use the Scripture and the Bible, because I do think I'm going to go a little different direction. Although I like this message, 
that I'm giving you, um, but I think I really want to be practical in how to get after the kingdom. Use some stories and be practical. And so that's where we'll go today. And I've taught this before other places, but, um, but that's kind of where I want to go. But I just want you to see my family, if we have it. Do we have like the slides? Um, okay, just so you can see my family there. So that's, you know, it's always helpful to know, like, this is a real person. I mean, you guys know me, most of you, but, you know, I'm just a regular person here. And that's, uh, well, that's, yeah. Who knows when you take family pictures, it, it, you're trying to always convince at least one family member to look up and smile. And that's my son. I think we took 20, and uh, there, that was one of the, that was maybe one of the middle, middle ones. Finally, he found a pair of sunglasses, and then he was pretty happy about that. He's pretty happy and anyways, but uh, one of the pictures I don't have, but my face is kind of like, you know, I was almost to lose it there. So the one thing about being a parent, it doesn't, you never, you can't run away from what's inside your heart. You know, kids really help you see what's inside and keep you honest with yourself. But uh, well, that's, so that's my wife, Joni, and then our son, Isaac and Hosanna. And Hosanna's pointing to three because we're expecting our third one in November. So praise God. Yeah. So... Um, all right. Hallelujah. Um, right on. I want to talk about, you know, what do you do? Here's a question I heard today. Just heard it in the spirit and just like, what do I do when I don't feel like anything's moving forward? What do I do? Do I despair? Do I wait for someone else? Do I, um, what do I do? What is my pathway to walking in a, in a type of breakthrough, to going somewhere in my life? What does that look like? Um, because many times we look to other people um, to do things that will make our life easier. It's natural to do that. If this person would do this, my life would be easier. <laughs> if my spouse would do this, my life would be easier. If my leader would do this, everything would be easier. This would be great. If um, my kids would do this, everything would be easier. And um, I feel like what one thing the Lord wants to do is teach us how to seek the kingdom so that we play our part, that we create our part. Now, this is very interesting. When we receive Jesus Christ, it was grace freely given. It's a free gift of righteousness. He gave us grace. Um, but we need to partner with God's grace. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that I can't change myself. I can't, uh, there's nothing I can do to make myself really a better person. I don't make the change, but I have to position myself before God so that he can change me. I have to position myself before God. And this is like what happens when you become a Christian. It's not so much, are you a Christian? It's, you're in the kingdom, but how do you enjoy the kingdom life, which is love, joy, peace, patience, those fruit of the Spirit. How do we enjoy that? How do we enjoy those things? And how do we um, walk in them? That's what I want to talk about here just for the next 30 minutes. And so Jesus is really simple. It's really simple. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's just five things he highlights. He could have highlighted 100 things. He highlights five. And he highlights six temptations. I do the six because in, in the Chinese, they, this is the, I do six. I do five and this is six. So I'm not like doing hang loose or anything. <laughs> so my wife's from Taiwan. I've, we, we are in Asia quite a bit, like in the summers and stuff. So I'm like, I'm actually half Chinese on the inside. You can't see, but I promise you. And uh, anyways, um, my son is five now, but when he was three, his Taiwanese uncle would put him on the front of the motorbike, and just drive him around without any, maybe a helmet. That was about it. It scared the snot out of me. <laughs> but they do that in, in Asia. They, they, like to, they like to have everybody, they, they use motorbikes like minivans. You can have five, a family of five on a little motor scooter, you know, and that thing, it needs to, no matter how much you pump the tires up, it's low to the ground. Uh, but no, it's fun. It's a fun place. But I want to just highlight the five ways we partner with the kingdom, with, Je with what Jesus said. Now, I'm not, this is not my idea, okay? And I actually didn't know this, but I was doing some of these things earlier, and then I came across this teaching. It's really easy. It, it's easy to know, but it's actually really hard to do because our whole body fights against it in a way, okay? 
But I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And the five things are this. Five things are this. There, Jesus highlights it. Now, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount really is, we could call the constitution of being a Christian. Constitution of being kingdom. Uh, In the kingdom, it's basically the foundation of what it's like to be in the Christian life. It doesn't earn you salvation. We don't earn it. We're already as a Christian, but it's how we participate with God. It's how we receive grace He's already given. It's how we walk in the fullness. So He paid paid for everything on the cross, right? So we don't have to earn God's pleasure. He loves us. We don't have to earn righteousness. It's freely given. But we have to position our hearts so that the grace that was poured out through the cross, it is poured out on us. It's not that he's not pouring out on us right now, but we have to put our heart in a, in a place where we can receive it. Look, think of it this way. If, who's been camping before by a bonfire? Raise your hand. All right. Who's been camping by a bonfire when it was cold? Let me see your hands. All right. So, oh, whoa, 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 look at this. All right. I didn't realize we had so many folk like that. All right. It's good. I'm thinking like in the Rocky Mountains. Maybe you're thinking in your backyard, like when you get warm, you can just run inside and, and put on a coat. But when you want to get warm in your backyard or in the Rockies and you want to get warm, you've got to get close to the bonfire, right? You've got to get close. And so this is what I'm going to talk about here is how do we get close to the fire and we get warm. Now, you could still be at a campfire and be 50 feet away. I'm at the campfire, but you're, you're cold. Maybe your, heart, your heart's got cold. Or we're not like, why am I not experienced these things? Like, I've heard about this campfire. I see the campfire. I see people around it. They're having fun, but I'm out here. How do I get, you know, how do I experience this? Well, we obviously know you're like, come on, guy, just walk up there. Walk up there. What I'm talking about in this here short time is how to walk up to the bonfire. And so that we get warm. We need, we need, the, we need to put ourselves, that bonfire is the Lord. He says, I'm a jealous, consuming fire. I'm a jealous, consuming fire. Jealous is not a negative word. Jealous really, in this case, is means he has only eyes for you. That means his love is thinking about you all the time. His love is all-consuming. Like when Jesus died on the cross, his arms were spread open, even as a symbol that his heart was wide open for us. And that he loved us with everything. All of his heart, all of his mind, all of his strength. And his arms were open to show us that in his death. He held nothing back. Now that love is all-consuming, like a bonfire. When we get close to how he feels about us, that love itself touches us that we ourselves get warm. We ourselves want to love God back with all of our own energy, our strength, our mind, everything we have. We only can grow in love by getting close to His love. We only can grow in love by getting close to that bonfire. It's the only way. If we don't, then many times we may be doing religious activity just to try to earn something. Like if I do this, if I go to church, or if I, and we all, we all can battle this, it's not either black or white. I do this, you know, do this good thing, go to church, or do this other service thing, that I feel good about myself. But the Lord says that's not, that shouldn't determine how we feel about ourselves. Because that's a work that we're using to say God delights in us. God's already delighted in us. What I'm talking about today is to, to respond to God so that we can draw near to Him and our life then, that we enjoy more of the kingdom life and things move forward. How do we get close to that bonfire? Here's the five things Jesus mentions. It's in Matthew 5 and chapter 6. In chapter, I'm just going to say them, chapter 6 and chapter 5, He highlights five kingdom activities that He defines as seeking Him. So if we say we love Jesus, we have to seek Him and love Him on His terms. We can't say, I love Jesus, but then not do what he says. And we can't say, I'm seeking him, but we're not seeking him in the way he defines seeking him. Would you agree? You know, if you're, if you had a, if you're on a basketball team, your coach is like, here, here's how you play basketball. But instead, you don't do it that way. And you're saying, no, I'm still playing basketball. Nobody would take you seriously. 
You know, you're like, that's the wrong sport. That's lacrosse. Why do you have a helmet on your head and, and a stick and beating people? You know, that's lacrosse. This is how we play basketball. It's the same thing with Jesus. He's saying, this is how you seek me. And I want you to learn this way. Okay. And again, we're not doing it to earn something like to feel necessarily better about ourselves. We're doing ourselves to get closer to the fire, to get closer to him. And in that, we get touched. In that, love is poured out. In that, and when we even try to get closer to the bonfire, we're going to fall and stumble. We're not going to even do that perfectly. We can't even seek God the right way, even when we try. I mean, I just want you to hear that. It's normal to try to seek God and then stumble all the time, but your heart is saying, yes, yes, I want more. I need more. You're the only way. You're the only one I have. Like Peter said, you're the only one with eternal life. You're all I've got, Jesus. Even if I fall down, I'm getting back up. I keep coming after you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get close to that bonfire. And as we're getting close to that bonfire, something begins to change and shift in us and our thinking and our experience about life. And the, the five kingdom activities Jesus highlights are prayer, fasting, serving, giving, and blessing our enemies. And that, that's, just, that's what we're talking about today. Prayer, fasting, serving, giving, and blessing our enemies. And now if you read Matthew 5 through 6, you can find the areas where it talks about those two chapters. Prayer, fasting, serving, giving, blessing our enemies. Let's just quickly talk about these. Again, these don't earn us a special place before God. This don't make us a better Christian. These position us to receive the Lord. This positions us to get close to the bonfire. It's that simple. But Jesus said, this is how you love me proactively, and this is how you seek me. And um, if we're, again, if we feel like we're waiting in life for something to happen, Lord's like, you can wait for me, but these are the things to engage your, engage your life in. This is how you seek me. So you can wait on God, but how you wait is to do these five things with the Lord. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. This is what waiting on God looks like. Waiting on God doesn't look like not just doing anything. Waiting on God is these activities. Now, prayer, if you look in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15 is the emphasis on prayer. Jesus highlights that it's in the private place. Now, there's a place for corporate prayer. He's talking about it. Close the door. Be alone. Learn to talk to me. It's so simple, but it's really hard to do. We get into that quiet place and we, I mean, let's just think about the distractions, all the things we have to do. Or maybe we get overwhelmed by those. Maybe we get overwhelmed by negative thoughts. I don't like to be alone because I'm thinking all these negative thoughts. We don't like that, you know, but whatever the thing that makes it challenging, maybe we feel bored. We get alone, close the door and we're like, now what? What do I do now? You know, maybe we wrote a list of like five things to talk to God. Okay, Lord, bless my grandma. Help me at work. Thank you for the food. Lord, give me a raise. This guy's annoying me. Amen. <laughs> and then we, then we look at our watch and it was like a minute and we thought we we're going to pray for 15 or 30 minutes or an hour. What in the world? Okay, well, I guess I'll just leave. I'm done. <laughs> and, you know, prayer for li a list prayer is a part of prayer. Um, there's many types of prayers. Here's one kind is when you read the Bible and then you just read a section and then you stop and then you just pray some of the thoughts from that passage back to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a psalm or a, or a, or a passage, just a chapter, and read it and just think, well, what, do you, what is this about? Lord, if it's about holy living, God, help me live holy. Is there anything? And then just ask a question to the Lord. Lord, is there anything you want to tell me about this? And just kind of write what he's saying. You know, prayer is more than asking just for a list of things, although that is prayer, and He wants to hear those things that we think we need. That's great. Prayer is also just a relationship, but we can have the conversation from the Word. In other words, it's called prayer reading. It's read a section and then talk to God about the stuff you read. Maybe ask things about it. Ask Him to help you obey what you read. Ask Him to help you have that reality on the inside. Ask him why maybe there's parts of it that you don't experience. God, is there a reason you want to show, anything you want to show me, why I'm not experiencing this? Or pray this for other people, whatever that passage was. 
Or pray for protection if it's a passage that's about some issue that's alarming in the, in the Bible. Pray, just pray from the passage. It's called prayer reading. So it's not only a list, but it's actually a, a dialogue. You can write down the conversations. And that might also help you after you pray through the list and you're like, what else do I do? Because there's always things we can read in the Word, and there's always things God's saying. There's always things He's saying. And so that's one thing. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. One thing I wanted to just encourage us this week, we talk about seeking the kingdom. Consider taking 30 minutes this week and prayer reading a few chapters from the Bible. And then here's what I want you to do afterwards. I am asking you to ask your heart, how do I feel now? Ask your mind, how do I feel? Does your mind feel a little cleaner? Does it feel more peaceful? Does your heart feel happier? Do you have a little more hope? When we are using the word and dialoguing with the Lord, it is an exchange with God. Those qualities he has, we get. And so one thing today I'm encouraging is that seeking the Lord, let's, let's, let's just throw it into prayer. All right, another element of prayer is um, the fasting. Fasting element. So this is verses chapter 6, 16 through 18. Jesus didn't say, if you fast. He didn't say, if you pray. It's really interesting. He says, when you fast. That means he's assuming that we're fasting. Now, this is, could be kind of bizarre for some of us if we never heard that growing up. We might not even know what fasting is. We might not even know how to do it. And I know one thing for me when I started, I've read some books about it, so I would get used to what my body would feel like. I would get used to hearing, I would see how the Lord used that in other people's life. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a time in my life and I'm just saying this to kind of bring, release some expectation. All right? I'm not saying this to... There's many people I know that have done 40-day fast multiple times a year. There was a time when I was a, a high school teacher, all I could give God was a meal. I would fast on Wednesdays and lock myself in an abandoned classroom <laughs> and pray one psalm for 20 minutes and go out and teach English that afternoon. And I was always more cranky because <laughs> I was so hungry. I was also training for a half marathon. That was really hard because my body was wanting all these carbs, you know. I was like, my body is eating itself right now. I'm so hungry. And, uh, but just in, the hunger, just in those simple hunger pains, I just think about the Lord. I just, I just say, Lord, give me strength today. Help me love these students. And it was just, that was, that, in that place, that's all I felt like I could give. That's it. could just give them that. Now, it seems weak, but it really did keep my heart engaged to the Lord. And it's something which is when you give away something that's comfortable like food, it's amazing how it draws you to the Lord for conversation. And um, there's, there's actually about seven purposes or reasons for fasting, but one of them is just for friendship. It's called the bridegroom fast. It's in John 3. He says, when the bridegroom is away, his disciples will fast because they miss him. They long for him. Longing for him to come back in person, but longing him also to be close and that we're aware of him in us. The longing for Jesus, the bridegroom. The bridegroom is a term, the one, he's, he's marrying us, not in a, in, a, in a spiritual way. We're going to be one with him forever. We're going to be like him. We're going to be an equally yoked partner. We're going to be able to think what he thinks and feel what he feels. It's going to be very liberating. And that's where we're going. But as we fast, we begin to be aware of our longing for God. Um... There's a story of a man named, I'm just telling you some stories that encouraged me, named Mahesh Chavda. And he was, he's an Indian guy. He's older now, I don't know, probably in the 60s or 70s. An Indian guy. He lived in Kenya. And then God sent him to America. It's kind of one of those interesting, like, who, you know, what's your background? <laughs> he, he got saved, and he's in America, and he's working in a mental institution. And he's working with kids that are, that are beating themselves up, and they're in these padded rooms. This one little boy named Stevie. This is in Mahesh's book called Only Love Can Make a Miracle. Only Love Can Make a Miracle. It's his autobiography. It's a, it's a great read if you want to read about prayer and fasting and revival. And he said um, that these kids, they just basically was damage control. They just didn't know how to help them. 
And this one kid, Stevie, I mean, when he was, he would take his, you know, his excrement and throw it on himself and people, he would beat himself so you couldn't see his face, it'd be all swollen. He was just heavily tormented and he was in this padded room. They had to even block, you know, lock him up and just, that was his existence in this institution. And so the Mahesh is a believer there. He's working with them. They had no solution for him. And the Lord told Mahesh to fast for him. So he starts fasting, the water fast. And there's different kinds of fast, water or juice or just vegetables. There's many different kinds. Fasting media. You know, if you've got a food or dietary restriction, I, I encourage you to fast media. Just cut out all entertainment and media for a few weeks and put that reading the word and talking to God instead. Just see what happens. You know, if you think you can't do the food element, don't write it off. Just start with media because it'll be just as challenging. We'll see how inundated and overcrowded we are as a society where God wants to have that space in us, but we've just crowded it with everything else. And so just start somewhere. I just want to, I'm trying to put a desire in here to start somewhere. And God, what can I give you? Uh, how much can I love you? How can I de demonstrate love to you? That's kind of what I'm trying to plant in us and moving forward. And so he goes on a fast and it, the days go by. And it's like into day four and five. The Lord's having him keep doing it. Didn't tell him to stop. He goes into day 10. He's still working every day. He's really hungry. Goes up to day 14 on a water fast, working, praying for, just praying to meet with the Lord at night when he's off work. And he goes back in and the Lord says, now go pray for Stevie. And he walks into that room and, and there is Stevie, you know, uh, you know uh, doing his thing, just angry and, 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 and restrained. And when he went to pray for him, as he just began to pray, he didn't even, it wasn't his words. It wasn't how loud he was. But it was the Spirit of God as he drew, drew close to the Spirit. He got close to the bonfire during those days seeking the Lord. Before he even said anything, just the act of faith and opening his mouth, that boy flew across the room and all the demons came out of him and he was completely set free. And all of the social workers, they came to Mahesh afterwards because he was able to talk. He didn't need restraints. He was fine. They're like, what did you do? What, what technique did you have? What was the... What was the this, you know, we so prize put, I mean, education is great, but there's one thing about learning to grow, draw close to the Lord and build up our spirit, man. And they're like, what did you do? And he just had to tell me, prayed for Stevie. He asked the Lord to help Stevie. And it was a huge witness to everybody at his work for the power of God. It's powerful. The Lord wants, a, he's raising up a company of people that would prepare the way of the Lord, Isaiah 40, to the high place of human pride to draw them down lower. The, the broken and the hurting places of society or our own hearts that feel hurting, he wants to raise them up. He wants to make a smooth highway so the Holy Spirit can go across on that and exalt Jesus. He wants to reveal Jesus in your families. He wants to reveal Jesus in your, in your workplace. He wants to reveal Jesus in the church, the church globally, a church in America. He wants that, but he's looking for a people that would seek him the, the five ways he's mentioned. And there's more than those five ways, but these are the five ways Jesus mentioned. They're the ones I'm going to pay the most attention to. He said, I'm looking for a people that would prepare a way to show me. And that story is what I'm thinking about. Like, Mahesh partnered with the Lord. In that story, he was willing to pay the price to prepare a way. Are we willing to pay the price? Now, I don't think right now it would start at a 14-day water fast for us, for many of us. God's not going to do that. He's not going to say right now, do that. Because we haven't worked up to that. You know, Mahesh had fasted other times. But he may start in a small way. What's a small way you can disengage from media or to uh, seek the Lord through fasting food that you would use that time to seek the Lord with the prayer and the word instead? And what could he do in building your spirit up? You know, consistently um, in my life, I've tried to do a fasting day and um, there's times I've fasted longer times, but there's a time I was plagued by depression really strongly. And I was a pastor and I was really worn out and it was so plaguing me, some of the thoughts that were bothering me. Um, it's hard as a pastor when you're spending like 80% of your energy to take care of yourself and you only have about 20% for other people. I mean, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not, that's not a good long-term goal, you know? But that's where I was for multiple years. And um, the only thing I needed to do was fast and pray. I mean, I'd done counseling, I've read self-help books, and it was so intense, I was even on medication for a time because I didn't know how else to get stabilized. And in that time, the Lord led me on several 21-day fasts, seeking Him. 
and just crying out for help. And at the end of one of those, within one month, God brought a, a guy in my life that was a homeless gentleman, but he had a gift of healing. He lived in my house. God had me bring him into my house. And we prayed every day together. And one of those prayer sessions, I got delivered. And within two weeks, I was off medication. I got all the demonic oppression off from that, from that season of my life. And I was changed. God changed me. Now, it was a several-year process, but he healed me. I was a Christian already. I love Jesus, but I needed help. And again, I mean, there's, there's always different ways, but I'm telling you, if we learn how to seek the Lord, the things that are bothering us, I promise you, he has an answer for him. He has an answer, and he wants to help us. And I believe because of that time period and the, the way the Lord led me, it allowed me to walk in fuller part of my destiny, which was in this time to go out and be a missionary in the, in the house of prayer. But my point is, is what's your destiny? What's God called you to? And is there something holding you back from that? A mindset or something with the quality of your life? Could God have the answer for that? And could he, could he give it to us if we sought him? It doesn't have to be a 21-day fast. I'm not, that's going to be overwhelming if you've never done one. It could be a one-day fast. It could be a meal. It could be being faithful in a small way. And then the Lord would slowly show you what's next. So fasting, the Lord's saying, when you do it, he just says, don't, don't trumpet it. In other words, just the more you can keep it, one thing we do is we don't tell people, hey, I'm fasting this today. We don't usually say that just because we want to keep it between us and the Lord. And, um, but the passage in Matthew is assuming we're going to fast and we're doing it in secret. That means if someone finds out, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But the point is, is do it to the Father. No, he's looking at you, looking at you because he wants to reward you. It's, look at the end of verse 15, sorry, the end of verse uh, 18, so that he can reward you openly. The Father is looking to reward you. He, the prayer, too, wants to reward you openly. What is the reward for prayer? Answered prayer. What's the reward for fasting? I believe more of God, more of a breakthrough, more of understanding. He wants to reward you, but he says openly. That means people will notice there's been a change in your life. That there, God has done something for you. He wants to reward you openly. He wants to show Jesus on you. And so I just want to encourage you. Just uh, Again, I just, that was one of the questions I heard when I was driving here. And, you know, what do I do when I don't know how to go forward in life? What do I do when I feel like I'm waiting on this person and this person or this community, or this part of my business, or my boss, or my church, I'm waiting, what do I do? Like, I'm just stuck here. I think the Lord's saying, come and seek me. Seek me with all your heart, and you're going to find me. Um, and what I'm hoping you hear is an invitation, is an invitation to encounter. Each of us, he would not have put this in the most basic foundational message called the Sermon on the Mount if he didn't think every Christian could do it. He wouldn't have told us to do it if he didn't think we could join him in some way. He's telling us this, not so, again, it's a rule book to try to make ourselves feel good or to show God, look, how, look I'm okay now because I did this. So many times when we do religious activity like that, we'll feel, ah, you know, I failed in the middle of it, like I broke my fast earlier. I'm just like, all right, I made a mistake. I'll start over again next time. God loves me, no big deal. I'll just try my best next time. And uh, not to use it as a stick to beat myself up with or try harder about, but I look at it as a doorway to walk through and keep trying to, even if I fall on the way there, so that the Lord would release something to me so I could get closer to the Lord. So I just kind of want to try to adjust the paradigm of why we pray and fast. So then he says, serving and giving. That's in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. These are the other two ways we can seek the Lord. The other two ways. Way three and way four. It says, when you do your charitable deed, verse one, when you do them before men, when people see you don't have a reward from your father. So therefore, verse two, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet. I, should, I say, if you do that, you're going to have your own reward right there by people seeing you. Verse 3, but when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That is, just don't try to draw attention to ourselves. Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. You know, many times when we, a charitable deed could be giving money, 
or it could be um, you know helping someone move when they're moving homes could be um, somebody at your workplace is needing to talk about something you're busy and you take five minutes to listen to them that's a charitable deed and God says your Heavenly Father is watching to reward you you know it says those who give a cup of cold water will by no means lose their reward Jesus said a cup of cold water that's pretty basic even to a small charitable deed is seen and I there's actually books in heaven and I, we could have time I could show you in the passages where there are books in heaven where the angels record everything that we do and when we stand before Jesus again for those in his blood this is not for salvation God will review everything we did in the secret place when no one saw and when was seen so that he can reward us openly. I don't know if you're aware of that. Even believers are evaluated on the life that we lived before God. Grace saves us, but our works are rewarded. It's very important to know that because many people think, oh, I'm just saved, so I just do whatever I want. I mean, you'll be highly disappointed with a lot of regret if we live that way. I'm saved, I'm good, and we just kind of live like there's no accountability or no, we're not, we're not going to stand before Jesus and look at him and say, this is what I did with my life. We will have a great amount of regret. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying this partially to put the fear of the Lord on us, because when I stand with Jesus, I want to offer him something. And I'm, again, this isn't my works to show that I'm a great person. I want to offer him something because I love him. Like, Lord, look what you did in me. Look, look what we did together. I love you. And the first thing we can give him is ourselves. It's the only thing God doesn't have. He just wants us. Out of that comes the things that are in our life. He just wants us. I want to be able to offer him myself so that when I stand before him, says there's some people, some believers, 1 Corinthians 3, that will go through the fire. That's the fire of his love. That's the, all, our God's a consuming, jealous fire. Eyes for us will stand before him and the, they will lose everything but save their soul. There will be some believers that stand before Jesus and will be saved, but they will lose everything that, they, that their life was about. They will enter the kingdom as the least. There's nothing that they did with the Lord. Now, it's in 1 Corinthians 3, you can see that. But there are some, the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And you were faithful with this, let me give you 10 cities. Like, there's actually, um, when the Lord returns, there'll actually be people on the earth still. Eventually, it'll be, uh, the Lord Jesus is going to come as a human being, uh, the son of David, a Jewish king on the earth. There'll be actually cities we can have an influence in. That 10 cities isn't just something symbolic. There will actually be cities with people on them. Jesus will be on the earth that we'll actually have an impact in, in some way. So in our small faithfulness, God will even help give us ability to influence 10 cities. I mean, that's pretty generous. <laughs> so I like to look at the judgment seat or the evaluation seat of believers as a way to motivate me to give love to Jesus, but also motivate me um, to know that, wow, what I do in this life is just an internship. Just, this is just a 70-year internship. You know when you're an intern? You don't really get paid well. Your boss is just temporary. Your, your assignment's temporary. It's just to be trained. You're in an internship right now to train you to learn how to love the Lord, how to live by faith, and how to be faithful with your money, your relationships, our time. We're just in an internship in how to be faithful in our families, faithful with our work, to our boss. And then the Lord's going to look at us and say, oh, you were faithful with that? Let me give you 10 cities to impact in the future. Let me, let me, uh, I'm going to give you a reward in this way. And so, um, again, our charitable deeds, uh, the point of it is, is even the cup of cold water, even moving your friend somewhere, even listening to someone on the phone, even um, picking up the trash on the side of the road, even stopping and waiting and praying for someone, even, you know, if somebody had a flat tire, you helped them. God saw it all. Amen. He saw it all. You know, even when that was a time you didn't want to be with your family, but you went anyways, and you had a, had to have, tried to have a joyful heart. Oh, yeah. 
and, and just tried to love on your family even though it rubbed you so wrong, God saw that. He's going to reward you for that. He's going to say, well done. You're a peacemaker in your family. You're a peacemaker. You're trying to bring peace to your family. Well done. Um, you know, there's some at work that you think your job's only maybe just manual, just a manual thing. It doesn't matter. But God said, look, I'm watching you, how your boss can trust you and how um, others, you're setting a good example of faithfulness and how you don't cause division at your work, how that you, um, uh, you're a good team player at your work. Yeah, you might not enjoy the product you produce or what you're marketing, but you release peace on your team. Your boss can trust you. You're kind. You're, um, you're looking out for others that are in your sphere of influence. God says, that's a charitable deed. I'm going to reward that. I see that. I believe God's so generous, the reward is actually twofold. He wants to reward us now in this life with more of Him and things. But he's going to reward us when we see him on that day. So the one thing you do, he's going to reward you two times for it. That's pretty generous. I remember looking at that being like, oh my gosh, that's true. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so charitable giving, serving and giving money. God sees it. And so The last one is blessing your enemies. And I'm going to wrap up here in the next five minutes. I'm looking at Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Blessing your enemies or loving your enemies. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be called sons of your Father in heaven. <clears throat> now, who's your enemy? Don't think it's this one random time when this guy, someone comes up and punches you in the face, okay? The enemy could be someone in your home that is causing you trouble of anguish or frustration. Now, you don't want to go up to him and say, you know, according to the Bible, you're my enemy. You know, it's don't, you know, don't say that. Like, that. You're my enemy. No, no, no. God's saying the per, in, in the minor cases, it's the person that's it's challenging to work with. It's causing you uh, discomfort. It's the person at work that either annoys you. It could be someone at work that's maybe a little more serious that is actually slandering or saying wrong things or purposely doing the opposite of what they need to. An enemy could be more that way. That's this text spitefully, evilly trying to bring harm to us. But enemies can also just be someone in the season of our life that is really rubbing us wrong. And we don't know what to do with them. They're troubling us. And God says, here's three things to do. He says, love them. Bless them. When we bless somebody, that means we are not allowed to say one negative word about them. When they're not there or when they're there. That is really hard to do. If there's someone troubling you to just not say anything negative about them. And then what do we do then? Well, we can bless them. What's that mean? God, can you show me one redeeming thing about them? And we speak that to them. We speak that one redeeming thing to other people. Well, when we do that, it's really, really, really hard. But you know what it does to our heart? It causes us to trust God with that person. It causes us to see God over the circumstance and, and, and to turn our words to God and to not release the curse or release judgmental or critical words about them. It causes us to trust God that He is over our situation and His leadership can lead us through this person. God will use this person in our, for our good in some way. It will release control. That is a very challenging thing to do. I think this is one of the hardest things. To bless those. Now, you may think, I can't think of one good thing <laughs> to say. Keep asking. Keep asking. And say it about that person to other people. Say it to that person. You know, thank you that you're always uh, very consistent in what you do. <laughs> you're very faithful with that. I don't know what that, what that would look like, but try it. 
Does that mean you can't, you know, talk to your, maybe someone in your small group, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm, this person's really hurting me. I don't know what to do. You can still say that, but don't criticize them, tear them down, or try to expose their brokenness or expose the places that, they've, that they're doing wrong. Don't do that. Try to release the blessing of what the one thing God sees about them. It will transform us. It'll transform. Now, God, when you, if you ask for this, you're going to get a chance to do it. The first time is really messy. Second time is really messy. God's going to, you'll need to send about several people. And if you keep sticking with it by the third or fourth person, it'll get a little easier. I'm, I'm serious. Don't expect to do this and think you can do it right. What I'm talking about, this is a doorway to get close to the fire of God's love. You're going to want to... You're going to want to fight back. You're going to want to scream. You're going to want to whatever you need to do. You start blessing them. You're, you're talking to God about them. You're going into the God's heart here. You're getting close to that bonfire. But you're going to stumble and fall sometimes. Stuff might come out you didn't mean to say. If it does, own it. Repent of it. Keep going towards the bonfire. Yeah. Don't expect just because one time you're going to do it right. Expect to stumble. Expect to trip the whole way. Like the end of the marathon. All those people falling down everywhere all over themselves expect that that's what it feels like it doesn't feel holy it feels like a wreck but you're asking for help and you're encountering the lord blessing your enemies the other way is to pray if you start praying for that person bless their finances god i pray that you would help them in their family in their marriage i pray that you would help them lord be uh you know that they're that you would show them how much you love them that you would you would just that area where they're hurting the anger that keeps coming out lord I don't know why they're doing that, but would you touch them and give them eternal life and give them peace with you, give them peace with others and start praying for them. And you do that for several weeks, something in your heart will change. God wants us to bless and pray for them because it's not really for them. It's for us. It's for them too, but these, this teaching is about us getting into that bonfire. It's about us drawing close to God and yeah, they'll be blessed when we bless them and pray for them. It's really that God wants to fill us with his love. This teaching is for our own hearts. It's kind of like a garden. He's like, this is how you put fertilizer in your garden, is to bless your enemy. So many times people read this, they're like, oh, I just got to do this for the other person. No, no, no. If we see that, it's really that the Lord wants to touch us. It shifts something. It shifts something because not only does it require us to trust God, it requires us to open our heart like Jesus opened his heart. All of my heart, all of my strength, all of my soul. God, I love you. This is so hard. Here I am. I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to pray for them like you said. I don't feel like it. I don't want to, but I know you said to. I'm going to try. And uh, Lord, as I do this, I'm expecting to encounter you. I'm expecting you're going to transform my heart in the next couple months as I do this. I'm expecting you to give me a greater peace, greater love, greater joy as I am choosing to bless and pray for them. And, um, you know, there's been different times where the Lord's brought uh, seasons or situations like that. And, it, you know, I, I, I'm totally stumbled through it. But I've seen as I've prayed and blessed for the people that, that the Lord's allowed in my life that have troubled me, that it has helped me to trust Him. It has helped me to, um, it has helped me to get closer in the fact that I'm looking to Him for what I need in life. It really does. So these are the five ways we seek Jesus. According to him, there's other ways. And if we are asking, Lord, how do I move forward? The Lord's saying, I've, here, I've told you in Matthew 5 and 6. He said, this is, get ready. He said, this is the foundation. This is the starting point. This is the basic thing I'm teaching you. But it's also the, it's, it's the basic thing, but it's so hard to do. And the basic thing is, seek me in these five ways. Seek to find me. We don't ever graduate from this. We'll do this till we're 90. And if we do this, we may not feel anything changing for the moment, but if we look back for a year or two later, we will see that there was an exchange with the Lord. And God's saying, you know, love me on my terms because it's the best for you. I want to show you things. And so I, I feel like this was what was on my heart today. And um, which was the Lord just wanting to give us that word that as a community, if we all, just imagine if we all took a few of these areas and just sowed our little weakness into it as a community, if everybody in this room 
and we're each encountering God, our hearts getting warmer, we're getting closer to that fire, what would that look like here when we got together? What would our small groups be like? What would it look like when there's a new person coming in and um, we're already, our heart's already getting filled with love. We're already like, you know, we feel more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We've, man, we'll be ready to bless somebody. We're like, come over here and bless you. you know, there will be something uh, becoming alive. I think that's a way that the Lord wants to lead us in that way. Amen? Amen. All right, okay. Um, let me just do a prayer, and then we'll have the wor worship team. We'll do a final prayer response. And um, what I want to do, you know, I know there's food. I've gone a little over. There's food uh, over there in the fellowship hall. And so after the song, anybody's dismissed to go for food. But if would anyone would like for prayer over something related to this, seeking the Lord, or you feel like there is a place in your life where it's hard to seek Him, or you have a disappointment, or you have something that's on your heart today that was coming to your mind, and you just don't know what to do next. So just, you know, after, you can come forward during the worship or after, and we'll pray for you a little bit. And then whenever you're ready and whoever's ready, just start going over there for food. And we'll just continue the ministry over in the fellowship hall. Does that sound, anything else you want to add? Okay, great. All right, so if the worship team likes to come on up, if not, I'll have to sing a cappella, and that would really be, oh, Lord. Then you'll, be blessed. then you'll be blessing your enemy the rest of the day. <laughs> Just teasing you. Make your ears hurt. We love you, Brian. Thanks. It's great to be here. I love you, Marcus. All right, Lord, we ask right now, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in our church family. Have your way. God, we... We just confess, we, it's in our own self, Lord, even just some of the, these words are exciting, they're inviting, but they're hard. Yeah. It, it, it is hard, Lord, to hear that. that. That means I need to let go. I need to let go of some, un, some comfortable things or things that I'm, I've got in my life I don't want to let go of. But Lord, we choose to let go. We love you better than life. We love you, God. Your love is better than wine. Your love is better than any comfort of the world. Your, your love is more exhilarating than any drug. Your love is more exhilarating than any um, thing we could get from just the natural life. Your love is better. Lord, you're all about pleasure. And Lord, we choose for pleasure. We choose you. You are the ultimate pleasure. So Lord, we open up our hearts and I'm asking, Lord, for my friends here, this church body, would the Lord bless you? Would he enrich you to seek him? and find Him. Lord, lead us. Lead this company of people here that call the Mount Comfort Vineyard their home church, their spiritual family. Lead. Will the Lord lead you as a community? O little flock, do not be afraid, O little flock. The Lord desires and delights to give you the kingdom. He delights to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid where things are going. Don't be afraid what's going to happen. The Lord sees and knows it's His delight. I just bless You. Lord, do the new work. Let streams flow in the desert. Lord, let us walk closer to You. Let us partner with Your grace. Let the streams open up in the desert. Lord, I ask You to release the streams. Lord, You're asking us to seek You as You said. You release the streams. We come seek You. Lord, we want You. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.